And then she comes around the corner with eyes. She does. She has she has eyes. I saw that. Yeah, she did too. I finally watched. 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 Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched The Man from Nowhere. You know, I was telling my wife that this may be my like least favorite Korean movie I've watched. Not because it's bad, but just because I've only watched really great ones. Um, and this is still really good. Uh, it's it's like I've, so I've, I saw this when it came out or a little bit after it came out uh, when it was on like Prime or Netflix. And then I probably watched it again for the first time like three or so years ago. And I did not, I could not remember as I was watching it, how it, how it went down. And then watching it again this time, I could not remember what was going to happen, even though I've seen it twice before. And it's just like, I think because the plot is so unconventional, given where the movie starts at, and it's like so unexpected how you really have like so many like subplots to this movie. Um, and it's not like a traditional, you know, in an American version of this, you just have like a lot of badass fights and like sort of like a central conflict where this girl gets taken and there's one bad group of bad guys that have her and, you know, things keep getting in his way. And this, there's like the cops, a really big bad guy and then some lower level bad guys who then take over the big bad guy. And then uh, a, a grandma who sells kids. Like there's just this like interconnected like world that you get thrown in. Um, and it's like, sometimes it feels a little convoluted, but a lot of times it just feels like kind of well-established and really well done. Um, what did you think your first watch of this movie? You know, when I finished this, um, we talked quickly about it. I don't think you you've quite finished the movie at this point, but I was like, oh, you know, it's kind of reminding me of like a like a Korean take on the movie Taken. And then you were like, oh, it's more like a man on fire. But you know what, though? It's kind of more like a John Wick, if you think about it, um, especially with like you're kind of thrown into this simple plot line. But like all these side characters and all this stuff going on that you don't like 100% understand because it's already been established in like, you know, movies that don't exist. Uh, So it's like the more we are on this journey of revenge with our main character, um, the more we kind of understand the underground world of Korean gangsters, mobs, you know, we, we get a taste of child trafficking, drug trading, organ doning. So it's like all this like really, you know, shitty stuff, but we only see like maybe a very small percentage of, of how all of this connects to this story. Uh, and so, yeah, it, 
I, when you said, you know, especially how this movie begins, I get confused too. I was like, Oh, what do you mean? He's in a pawn shop, but no, that's not even how the movie begins. It begins with this like sting operation with the cops and everything goes wrong in like a, a nightclub situation with like a drug transfer, but then the stripper steals the drugs and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you find out that that is important to what happens next. Um, I didn't actually make the connection that that was the same woman. That was the mom and the stripper. Slash hooker. Slash organ donor. Yeah, by the way, it's not organ donation. It's like organ theft. Organ harvesting, if you will. Yeah, there we go. Organ harvesting. Just to make it clear that there's there's no <laughs> donating their eyes and a heart. Yeah, 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 they're yeah. not like out of the goodness of my heart, you can murder me. Uh yeah, I think that's interesting too. So it starts with a stakeout, and we have this really huge Korean guy, um, and all the police are kind of watching him. And uh he does a drop, they see it, and but for this hooker, who is the one of the main characters' mothers, um, they would have caught this guy and she takes the, the drugs for herself. And so then like they, once again, it, it, it feels like these cops are just, it's, it's one of these situations where these cops like constantly are trying to get this organization, but they just can't, you know, ever get them. Right. Cause after, um, after the, it's all over and he's like, tell your boss I'm coming for him. And the guy's like, yeah, what, whatever. That's bullshit. Like, no, you're not. And just walks off. Um, but I love this opening scene just for the fight with the big guy, how he's like kicking the shit out of all the main guys. And then the main cop comes in and like, just beats the shit out of him kind of with like strength, but also just like smarts. Um, I just, I like, I think it's a cool opening, even though you're like, what am I watching? Like, it's so, it's so unconnected to the rest of it. And then like the next scene is when we actually meet like our main character, the man from nowhere. Yeah. And um, watching this and and not knowing anything really about it and just kind of having the story unfold in front of you, when you actually are introduced to the man from nowhere, um, our main character, it, it's it's very comic book like. Like he has the long hair, one eye is always covered and he's like mysterious and in the shadows and you don't really see his face in the beginning. And, you know, and then it's like the more he interacts with the little girl and the way he talks with the little girl, it's like, oh, they they've been friends for a while. They've known each other for a while and they have this like rapport. And I don't know if you noticed, but like the more interaction he has with her, like the brighter the scene got, the more like we could see his face and stuff like that. So uh, it just felt very, like very traditional um, hero's journey sort of thing when you're introduced to this guy. Well, and you say that too about how it gets brighter and like he kind of seems to open up more. But what's funny about it is like when they first start interacting for the first couple seconds to like a minute, you're like, Oh, he like, he like doesn't like this girl. Like he is constantly having, like he's annoyed by her. And you kind of see that that's just the relationship. He opens up more and more. So it almost like 
has its cake and eats it too. It gives you this whole like development of their relationship in one little morning when you realize he's just always trying to be standoffish and you find out later why, but like just that he can't help, but like, like this little girl and, and like, you know, enjoy being around her. And, and also, you know, he feels bad for her because of her home life. Um, it's, it, it's also just such a unique occupation he has. He runs a pawn shop in the bottom of a building. Right. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it, it's odd. And yeah. I think it, it, it sets up a couple of things for the movie's sake. It's kind of like just that convenient plot device, um, the camera bag and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, how else would that work? If not for a pun, uh, a pawn shop. Um, you know, when we were watching old boy and talking about old boy, we said that there was like a, a certain sort of comedy, like a dark comedy, but like, you couldn't really get away with the same things that they were making fun of. Like if you were to make it in America and I think child molestation, is that something easily to be like to make light of, but they do it in this movie and they do it in such a smart way. Right. Cause at first I was like, this is weird. Why are they doing it this way? Cause I didn't understand the relationship between like any of the characters so far. And then the more I thought about it and after I finished the movie, it kind of dawned on me. So what I mean is when the little girl is in his house and she mentions to him, uh, Hey, my mom doesn't like me hanging out with you because she says you're, you're, you molest children. You're like a sex offender. And he, she's like, you're not a sex offender. Right. And I was like, well, if he was, you're just so dumb, <laughs> but, uh, but he's not. And then when, the mom does go looking for the, for her daughter. Um, and she knocks on his door and she's like, I know you're in there, get out. And he answers and pretends she's not there. I was like, that's a very sex offender thing to do is to lie to the mother of the child. Um, that is worried about you being a child molester. And then, uh, later on when the mom is dealing with him, like, as a pawn shop owner, she hits on him. She's like, Oh, you know, I don't, you know, whether or not you're into children or not, you should, you should, you know, hit me up. We should go out. And I was like, what a weird fucking thing to say. Uh, I hope they're not trying to set up like a, a romantic relationship between these two characters. Right. Only to be completely like okay with everything that happened because then you realize, then the movie reveals to you that this woman, the mom of the main little girl, is not a good person. We're not supposed to like her. She is a bad person. And so it's like when he hides her away from her mom and rejects her uh, romantic uh, flirting, flirtations, it's like, well, yeah. Because she is a bad person. And they set that up, I think, really well. Well, and the other thing, too, is like when she, you know, maybe some lost in translation, when she's hitting on it, it could just be for money, right? Because she is a hooker. So she could be, you know, trading sex for whatever she wants from him. She's like, if I sleep with him, then I can get money, whatever. You know, maybe not even a straight transaction, but just like it could be along those lines. Um, and yeah, that's yeah. Really just to, it's to establish that she's like not a good character. And it, it also right. makes it sadder too when the little girl who's um, 
so me in the movie is um it's just like once her mom you know what i mean like there's several points where she's like you said i could see my mommy i want my mommy um and it's just it makes it so much sadder especially because so like i love as the mom's like saying open the door let me see and he's like kicking the rice off and it lasts forever and then kicks it off the little girl catches it but after that um there's a scene where like the mom is is getting beat up by her boyfriend because she's hiding the heroin and um she's like doing heroin so she kind of goes to stay with uh with him and um she's like you know they call you the the pawn shop ghost and i think before that even she was like oh you know some people think you're a gangster which i think the movie's trying to make you think is maybe something along those lines but it's always like you know former cop special forces something like that yeah um but she's like my nickname's garbage you know because no one likes me um and my mom wanted to get rid of me when I was pregnant. She got pregnant with me. And my grandma told me that she just called me garbage. And you're just like, holy fuck. Like, it just like, they like do not hold back in making her like this sad sack story of like, n- nothing is good in her life except her relationship with this guy who doesn't really want to be around her because of what has happened in his life. And it's like kind of, they both really need each other, but he doesn't want that. Yeah. And, and every time she, calls him the pawn shop ghost i was like that would have been such a better title for this movie um but i digress um the next morning uh i guess the story doesn't really kick off until until she gets kidnapped but one thing i want to mention before we get there is she gets like stopped by the police for stealing like a little kid's um backpack or something and he just so happens to be like walking down the same path and like she points him out to the police as her father and he just dips um i thought that was hilarious like sad but also like very uh comedic timing you know well and they're also like the mom keeps hitting her and then the son hits her she's like no don't touch her like yeah, it's 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 really sad, and then especially afterwards when she's like, you know, everyone is embarrassed by me, and I I want to hate you, but I don't hate you because you're the only person I like, and so if I hate you, then I won't like anyone at all. I'm like motherfucker, please stop. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, know. Like all all of that, I would just be like, stop fucking feeling sorry for yourself. She's a little kid, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Jesus, man, I mean, there's only so much. Yeah, there's only so much a little kid should have to take. I I agree. Um, and right after this, she walks in on her mom being tortured by um, Jong Suk, who is what we learn his name is later. Um, and then they go to uh, Tay, who is the main guy, uh, Tay Sick, but I'm just going to call him Tay to shorten it. Me and him are, are like that. Mm-hmm. And um, they basically come in his room. And this is when you like the first kind of hints that you like know that he's a badass because there's two guys waiting in his apartment. One's the huge Asian guy. And then there's this other guy. Um, I forget. We get his name later on. Oh, Kim Dochi. So Dochi, Dochi Kim. And um, he like throw, holds a knife out at him. He's like, Oh, you know, and then he throw, shows him his wallet and he's like, that's not what we want. And then fucking takes the wallet and grabs the knife like so quickly from his hand. And then you're so like, so okay. quickly. So quickly. And you're like, and I love that 
then right after that, you see the big guy walking towards him. And then we get this outside shot of the apartment and basically the whole apartment shakes. And yeah. So you kind of know like, what must have happened. What's, what, what's really cool about that. It shows like that same guy taking out like five police officers. And then he takes out the guy so easily, like so easily. We don't even need to see it. Right. And um, it's just kind of. It's showing us like how skilled this guy is. Um, and there's, there's so much, so much more like, not only is he a good fighter, but he's like a really good detective too. Yeah. Yeah. And we find that out later on. I, uh, one thing that right after this, that really establishes it too, that I loved is like Dochi is like, dude, the guy moved like lightning. Like I couldn't do anything to stop him. And then the next guy who is, um, his name's Ramerwin, Ramerwin. I don't know. I'm just going to call him Ram. He's sure. um a, he's a Thai actor, which it's like I always there's so many of these like Asian movies, especially fighting movies, and, and I know this a lot from Indonesian movies where they have like an actor who doesn't look like everyone else. Like they're from like in Indonesian movies, there's always like maybe like a half Indonesian actor that comes in that kind of looks whiter. And in this, like you see this guy, and you're like he just looks different. And you and I were talking about this before, but like the casting of the bad guys like could not be mm-hmm. more perfect in this movie. And yeah. him, especially uh, Ram, like he looks like the quiet second in command, third in command badass that you just everyone knows nothing. Not, kind of like Mister Han from Old Boy. From Old Boy, just yeah, like a, yeah. Like except like, doesn't except, say anything. <laughs> except the only thing missing from him that Mister Han has is like bleach blonde hair. It's like, could we get some bleach blonde hair? Then we know for sure who the second in command villain is. The other thing too, is that he's the only one who speaks English in this whole movie. And you were telling me maybe they also choose like one or two people to speak English. Well, no, I was saying that if they have, if they have someone, if they have someone from a different country, then, you know, it's more likely that if a a Korean person will speak English to a Thai person rather than them knowing Thai. Or can um, yeah, in the same in like Indonesian movies that I've watched, um, it just it's more likely that that happens. Now the uh, reason I mentioned Cantonese real quick is that I'm pretty sure that you're supposed to believe that our main character is Chinese, right? No, that's they don't explain that well. But when he gets sent to meet the big boss, oh, uh, the the underling guys, John Sook and Man Sook lie to their big boss and say this is the chinese guys oh okay okay so so it's a lie okay okay i was confused about that so but what this brings me all back to the uh you know after the uh the one guy says oh he moves like lightning uh ram is like he didn't flinch when i shot and he's like you know that's not normal this something's up with this guy he didn't flinch and when i killed a man in front of him like nothing um, and I think that's kind of like an important, you know, like descriptor of him. But one thing that always bothers me in drug move in movies that involve drugs mm-hmm. is when they rip the package open to test it and they're not very careful and just a ton of it spills out. And I was like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You just spilled a thousand dollars on the ground. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? I imagine in an alternate life, you were like a drug kingpin and you would just like fucking kill someone if they spill if they spilt your drugs on the ground, willy nilly snort that up and then you pay me for it. <laughs> um, 
So, it, yeah, it's so they kidnap. Okay, so real quick, I just want to establish a couple of things. They kidnap um, the woman and her daughter, and they are looking for the missing heroine, which so happens to be in the camera bag that they pawned off to him. So he has to go get the camera bag, return it, but the deal kind of goes bad, right? He was supposed to do that in exchange for both of them, and obviously the villains don't hold up their end of the deal, so they're like, oh, you got to do this one thing for us. You got to deliver these drugs to our boss. Um, and so he does. And the way he does it is quite interesting. There's like a toy, like in a vending machine he has to go to. And it's like how they mule the drugs through the city. Uh, yeah. And, and I and only mentioned that. They call them ants. Ants, yeah. And I only mentioned that because that becomes important later on in the in the movie um so he he finds the toy with the drugs goes to the guy delivers the drugs but the guy seemed like he was mad that he delivered the drugs right because now it looks like the cops are coming and and they have drugs on him now yeah they he realizes it's a setup because he calls man suck which which is like becomes the main bad guy in the movie once O is dead and he's like yeah i fucked you over um you tried to take my my business and so now i'm taking you out and they beat up tay and throw him off the building into the net which is really a cool scene i always remember the scene being later which is like part of the thing that throws me off um and then he immediately cuts through the net and chases after O, like crashes his car into him and he's escaping except he then looks and sees the woman's body in the trunk it's the mother of so me but what i don't understand is how that old fuck ran away from all the cops. Like they couldn't catch him. Like he's just on foot after his car malfunctions. Like, where does he go? He just gets away. The, the, the thing that I don't understand is how did they cut her open and harvest all her organs that fast? Like from the, think about it from the time that they kidnap her, tell him to deliver the thing to the guy. They already, harvested her organs sewed her back up threw her in the same truck trunk that they went to go see the guy about yeah i mean a day could have passed maybe but yeah they they do it real quick they kill her very quickly and take her organs like Um, like making the fair deal was never in the cards right like making the the exchange and that's actually that's actually kind of man sucks comeuppance in the end is he can't just make a deal you know, what I mean, he—it's it's like a pride thing for him that right. he just has to fuck people over, and then ends up killing him. But um, so the cops get Tay; he gets taken to the police station. We find out, and this movie is like—you don't see a lot of graphic stuff. You know, some of the fights you do, but the descriptions of things because this has to do with like organ harvesting. And the only other movie that I can think that is like similar in like just how disgusting it is. And it's not one we're doing, but I saw the devil, which maybe we'll do later on in the life of this podcast um, is another like Korean movie that deals with like some like gnarly shit. But like they start telling Tay at the police station that, Oh, you, we know from the autopsy that you took her eyes while she was still alive. Like you were harvesting her while she was alive, like alive. Yeah. And like, yeah. so Tay's hearing this, like, Holy shit. And at the same time, the police are like, oh, we have no record of this guy for uh, eight years. Um, 
And then you, when you were talking to me earlier before I'd finished it, you were like, oh, have you gotten to the left-handed part yet? And I was like, what does that mean? And then he's like, oh, I'm left-handed to eat. And the guy's like, oh, so, oh, all right, you're talking. You want food. All right, let me uncuff you. And you don't get to see it happen, but there's this really cool cuts. So yeah, like, as, it like, is the a main, cool as, cut. as the main cop is checking the building, the, pawn, the building with the pawn shop in it for clues, they find the big Asian dude's body. And this is right after he said, I'm left-handed. And then the cop calls and he's like, you know, to warn them basically like, oh shit, if this guy can kill the big Asian dude, then like you, you got to warn them. And he calls and you just see a hand come up on the table and it's the Chinese translator who I haven't really talked about. He's kind of this overweight guy with glasses. He's like, I just wanted a snack. I'm, I didn't do anything. I'm so sorry. And then when they watch the surveillance video later and he just like beats the shit out of this guy and they're actually like talking about, they're like, he in four and a half minutes grabbed our files on the big bad boss uh, beat up five cops and including knocking out one dude's teeth and destroying another dude's knee and escaped in four and a half minutes. Like he did all of that. Just like, it's like a, he's like the fucking Terminator. Yeah, no, no, no. He's, you know, being that good of a detective and being that good of a fighter, he's like the Korean Batman. He just literally has to put on like the suit and, do exactly what he just continued to do throughout the movie is just defeat crime lords. Um, Yeah. So he is now on the run. Um, His mission is to get the little girl back because that's really uh, all that matters to him right now. And the cops are after him, but also the cops are after the, the villains too. Actually, I give credit for this movie, right? Because they're like, he did destroy a police station, right? And hurt officers, but it's not like the cops are a hundred percent on his case. They still understand why he's doing it. They even sympathize with him for uh, a, a little bit, but they're, they, it's not just him. They're after, they're also after the, the bad guys. And I like at one point in the movie, they know that they're, he's after the same people they're after and they kind of just let him do it, right? They're just kind of like, yeah, go ahead, kill yeah. him. Yeah, it's kind of an un, yeah, an unstated thing too. But I actually don't even think they know about uh, Man Sook and Jong Sook, like the, those two bad guys. I don't think they know about them. Um, the higher ups, they're like the lower ones. They know about O, like he's right. the main bad guy that is at the golf at the golf uh, course, not the course, but the um, the driving range. Um, and, but really quick, there is a couple like this movie has a lot of like little tiny scenes to establish stuff, especially in the beginning. But at one point you see like the mom's boyfriend and he's talking to this old lady and she's like, Hey, can you check the license plate down on that car? And then he like gets kidnapped. And because the grandma did this, they throw her the little girl for her to take. Um, And you're like unsure what this means, but then you find out later that she's become like a mule and it's just this Mm -hmm. whole like interconnected system where they gave her, uh, to this grandma to to you know use for making money it's kind of like this like um like layered operation right so they use the little kids to to mule the drugs around the city and then they use some of the little kids to like cook the heroin in like the the back and then if the little kids become useless or you know not useful anymore or they age out or whatever then they harvest them for for their organs. It so. kind of reminds me of uh, the scene in like Slumdog Millionaire when the guy like makes the kids sing for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the 
blind and, they they make them blind if they're not like if yeah. they're not like really good singers if they don't if they're not like pretty kids or whatever yeah um so they also then find the military lock on the uh on the um on the file for Tay and they're like well what we're going to do is we're going to send uh, an email to the U- to the White House threatening the White House and then we'll have to get the file and they explain how they this has happened in the past and I like the one cops like you're going to send to Obama he's like I don't have Obama's email. I'll just send it to the White House. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Yeah. And then they get it. They're like, I'm in. I'm in his file. And then it's just all this like, it's basically he is the, whatever the Korean version of a Green Beret is. Yeah. Like, like special forces. Like special top ops. Of the elite. Yeah. Um, and then the cops are all impressed and they're like, oh, fuck. No, no wonder our, half our precinct got their asses kicked. Yeah, uh, and a little bit later too on in the movie, you get like some military guys that come in and are kind of just like trying to take over a little bit. And the main cops like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm going to take this guy down no matter what. And what's funny is those military guys never come back up. You feel like they would. I like expected kind of like a. Have you ever seen um, the Timothy Oliphant Hitman movie? Oh yeah. So, spoiler alert for that movie, but at the very end, when you think he's captured by, like, the Interpol guy who's been after him the whole time, like, another branch of the U.S. government just comes in and, like, pulls guns, and then he escapes, and then they're like, oh, sorry, we had the wrong guy. And they're like, you know, we were never here, whatever. I just kind of expected, like, the military guys to come in and just pull rank and be like, nah, he gets to go free. But the movie sort of just ends before you get, like, a resolution on what happens to him, which is also just a a fine way to end it. Um but yeah, the, the military guys never come back up. It's kind of weird. They're they're brought in for like a second. Just to, they're just brought in to explain that his wife died, and we find out that she was pregnant. Yeah, the sad backstory. Actually, I don't even remember the military guys. I mean, that maybe that just shows how quickly they they're well, in they, and out. Well, they weren't wearing they weren't wearing like fatigues. It was just like suits. So it wasn't. I just assumed they're military. Um, no, I I, know, a, I don't. I, it's fine. We get a couple like quick scenes too, where one um, the boyfriend is is tied up, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna chop off your balls." Jong Jong Suk is saying that, and then Man Suk comes in and just grabs the axe and slices him in the head, and Jong's like, "You startled me! <laughs> Don't do that!" And then he's Jung like, "Jong Suk uh, is such a good villain. He has that face that you, you yeah. It, it's like it's like that face that." is an insane face, right? Like he's a psychotic person. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Him and, and, you know Ram, it, and Ram. Yeah, and Ram, but but he definitely has the look like as as soon as you see him on screen, you're like that he's the it, and this just goes to, you know, what we were saying about how well everything is cast. You see him for a second on screen and you're like that's the wild card villain that it's going to be taken out like three people before the main guy is going to be taken out, but he's going to like, um, it's funny. Cause I thought he was actually going to be a lot tougher than he ended up being taking out in the end. He, I think he's, he's kind of, if I were to typecast him, he's like the fuck up bad guy. Who's crazy. Right. Who does sort of wild things. Well, one thing uh, that I didn't get until the end is that it is his brother. And I didn't get that until it was explained to us. You better not touch a hair on my brother's head. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the, it's the, what becomes the main villain's brother. 
and you're right he's kind of like the fuck up brother right yeah yeah definitely um and then uh man sook is like hey we need to kill oh and he's like i already sent ram to do it and he's like why the fuck did you do that he's fucking crazy he's like, yeah i know <laughs> that's why i did it because he and he likes to act alone so you know and this is where you establish how fucked up ram is because you get the next cut to him a bunch of dudes on the ground dead and the main boss like oh oh who's like I'll, I'll double whatever they pay you. And the guy just like puts a knife in his mouth and is like, you know, does the quit talking and then fucking slices him. Um, and you're like, okay, so this is like, this is going to come to a head at some point, you know, every great action movie like this establishes like that. There's going to be a fight between two guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what you were saying is that this is your least favorite Korean movies, uh, just because your, your bar is so high. Right. Um, yeah, I love this it, movie. It, no, no, no. I, I understand what you're saying. But what what's occurring to me is that this is beat by beat, like every this type of action movie, right? Like it hits it. And and it would be different if everything was like mediocrely done or just not well done. But everything, even though it is like a, like every action movie of this uh, sort, it is done very well. So you're like, you know what? I, I'll watch two hours worth of this because it's it's good you know no yeah absolutely absolutely um so next we get tay um he tracks the phone he goes and finds the phone that he destroyed earlier the burner tracks it to the guy who sold the phone there's a little cool little fight scene where the guy's like i'm not going to tell you who owns it and he beats the shit out a couple guys and the guy's like oh i'll tell you immediately um he finds out (laughs) it's this dochi guy who's an organ thief and he goes to the club um and what's funny is at the club he gets in the elevator with man sook and i guess man sook knows who he is but he's never seen man sook right um yeah i was confused so, about that too but i think you're right he he never because he warns his him. brother because he warns his brother and john no sook he's never seen him I, yeah you're right so um he's talked to him on the phone though I think that's right. You're confused. Yeah. yeah. He's only seen, he's actually seen neither of the brothers at that point. He's only seen Ram, big Asian dude that he, that got killed and then Dochi. Um, And at this time, it's kind of a, another kind of fucked up sad scene is like Dochi drugs this woman. And then he's like having sex with her in the bathroom as she's like passed out. And then Ram shoots her thinking that it's, you know what I mean? So this like, it's like a really rough scene right there. He was having sex with her? Yeah, he was like, oh, just just having a poop. Okay. Okay, so this is where I got a little confused, is that the guy who was kind of sent into the bathroom to set him up with, like, the tracking of the phone, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That was the guy from that that originally bought him the phone or sold the phone to him? No, that was just – so that guy – was at the loan shark or whatever, right? That guy was a loan shark who he traced the phone to. Right. And he was like, you know, I don't I don't deal in phones, I deal in debt or whatever. So I think what he did is he just like beat the shit out of these guys and then took this guy and said, if you help me, I'll get your debt cleared. Which I don't really understand how he can do. Um, I don't get that either. Whatever. Maybe he maybe he grabbed a piece of paper because he hands him this piece of paper at the end to walk off. Maybe that piece of paper is the debt. 
Like maybe that ha- it's like written down on there. Like this is what you. So basically, so-, so yeah, so basically he blackmails him into you know giving him this piece of paper if he does this thing. Basically, all he did is he needed to take the cell phone, walk into the bathroom, find the guy, and so that uh, Tay could track him and know where the guy is. And I love this thing. He's like so nervous, and t- and they, he's like, "Are you hot?" He's like, "No, I'm fine." And he like keeps like doubling back, like looking behind him, and then he sees Tay, and he's like, "Okay, I gotta go." <laughs> Well, also too, he uh, he gets a call and he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm in the bathroom downstairs." And the guy's like, "Who are you talking to?" He's like, "A friend." And then Tay walks in. He's like, "Oh, thank God." He's like, "All right, I'm gonna leave." <laughs> uh, and so now we get this like pretty cool uh, fight scene, only to be interrupted by Ram. Um, and now this is what you're saying that Ram, because you see, you know, and he sees Tay running back into the bathroom, so he hears a noise from a stall and he shoots the girl. Poor girl. Right, yeah. And then there's the kind of like the tight quarters fight in the bathroom stall between them. Um, and then they, they kind of separate and run off. And we just know, like, we're going to get this later. It's this big uh, setup for absolutely nothing. And I was actually really disappointed in it because they both end up back in the nightclub, like on the dance floor. He pulls a knife yeah. and he pulls a, a gun or he pulls another knife or whatever. And they're like doing this face off. And you think that this big fight is about to happen, this big showdown in a room full of crowded people. And then it's just immediately the cops come in uh, and they're like, nope, we're we're going to have to go. We're going to have to run. Yeah. Yeah. I um, And then you think maybe there's going to be a car chase too because he steals a car. Um, but really he just, you know, at this point we get the military backstory. We get the flashback of his wife being killed. And um, and she was pregnant and like the most overdramatic use of music is when he's on the ground after being shot. And looking oh at his wife God. and the blood coming down and just like that was like, yeah, that's just like peak Korean movie right there was that part of it. Like just like the music is overpowering everything else. Um, But instead of instead of like chasing them down, he goes because he doesn't exactly know where to go. He goes to his friend. Well, you, uh, you forgot the part where the fact that he got shot. So he's because because in the bathroom, when Ram shot at him, he he hit him. Right. He like hit right below some sort of vital area. And so he's like bleeding out. So he go Yeah. He goes to his friend to like heal his wound. Yeah. If you let me finish, I was going to say he goes to his friend to uh, get a bullet removed. It was going to be like the next half of my sentence. But yeah. And we don't really know who this guy is, um, but we can only assume it's like a former military member like with him, like some guy that he served with. Um, And he asks him for a gun that has 10 chambers, which will become important. I didn't do the counting at the end. I almost thought about doing it to see if like the amount of bullets matched up. But I was like, no, I don't I don't care that much. Um, And this is when he he like after this, he doesn't really have any leads except for when he was used as a mule for that, for the drugs, he's like, all right, let me look at, let me look for toys like they used. And he kind of finds the machine. He follows this little, like this boy around. And it's, it's kind of sucks because he's like, as he's following this little boy, um, he barely misses. So me, you know what I yeah, mean? But, yeah. So me's like wearing a hat and I couldn't tell if he just didn't see her. 
or if he just wanted to stay there and kind of like understand more of the operation because he then follows the next little boy that takes the takes the drugs or takes the shoes to the to the dealer um or is he a buyer at this point i don't know but he follows that little boy so i just i didn't i didn't I'm like is he just staying there because he wants to know more or did he just literally because the arcade games are so high didn't see her walk out yeah i'm I'm not i'm not sure i think he just missed her because she was coming up like a back way um and we did we did skip over a couple important things one a classic dude cuts his own hair scene and it comes out barbershop perfect oh yeah so tay has beautiful hair and it's very moody and it kind of is his like defining feature and then he just goes and cuts it all off and it's just like kind of like why but i guess it's just to be like more badass it's 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 tactical his hair is now tactical you can't get it caught on stuff um, and also you were talking about how the cops, you're, they kind of worked with him a little bit. And um, the cops actually call Tay and they tell him, hey, Somi is still alive. And then they and then they're like, you know, we're coming to get you. And he's like, he tells them for the first time about Mansuk and Jongsuk. Yeah. And they're like, oh, fuck. And so right after this, they go to the guy at the airport. And I love this scene because they like tear up his pillow and don't find the drugs but then the main cop comes in and like beats his cane and you have all these people kind of walking around like oh they're beating up this cripple guy and then once they find the drugs everyone's like oh okay carry on guys (laughs) you guys got this under control um what 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 was cool right is that when it's like different modes of operation for the drugs too, right? It's like, it's an vending machine toy that's out of order, but it's not really out of order. And then it gets put in shoes, right? And then, so it's like delivered to the cobbler. And I love like the kid gives the cobbler, like maybe two pairs of shoes, but then he like throws the kid like six or seven pairs of like, you know, unwanted shoes. Um, So isn't it at this point that the, that, Tay keeps following him to um to like the the place where they make the heroin. Well, yeah, it's right after he gets into it with the cops, and he has a really cool scene where he beats the shit out of like three or four cops, and then just jumps out of the window and does a roll, and then like, oh yeah, yeah, it's like they're like they're but they're not like our detectives that we've been following. They're like street nah. cops. Yeah, it's not a it's not a heavy lift for him in that scene. And then right after that, he finds the drug manufacturing. And I love this because he sees Zhang. He sees all the kids and he goes in to this one room and he sees the main bad guy's body. He opens a drawer and then he opens another and sees a little girl and sees the nails painted. And he then goes into another room where this dude's about to operate on a little girl. Right. And he just does this hand gesture to her, just like this movement of his fingers for her to get out of the way. <laughs> and everyone knows what, the little girl just gets right up and like gets out of there. It just shoots this guy in the head um, and then comes in and just kicks the shit out of Jong, which I love. Yeah. And then he, he sort of has these words with him. He's like, you could have apologized for the kids, but now you're going to die. And I was like, you were never going to. So not. He- he sets up this elaborate thing where he like opens up the methane gas tank, let that fill the room. He has like this, this 
lantern light thing that he has on a string on a hook of a ba- on a ba- sorry hook to a bag of meth and he cuts the bag of meth and so like as the meth or heroin or whatever is all being poured out um i've been watching a lot of breaking bad so i always think it's meth um as it pours out on the floor you know it becomes lighter the lantern falls breaks sparks explosion but he was saying to him before he does all this is that when they take the eyes out of the bodies and when they take the liver and the heart, they deliver them into all like different places. And he doesn't make this connection. And I was like, but he's explaining like they all their body parts are going everywhere. I thought he was making the connection. He's like, you put all these kids body parts everywhere around Korea. So, in turn, I'm going to put your body parts everywhere around this room. But he doesn't say that. But I thought that would have been cool. It basically says you don't allow the kids to rest because they keep having to go. Um, and then he, I like when he calls Man Sook and is just like, "Give me her for your, br- uh, give me her, you know, bring her to me." And he's like, "Who, who, who do you have in the background?" And like he shoots the nail gun into Jong Sook and he hears him scream. He just keeps cursing. Man Sook does. Um, and he's like, and don't, touch then, a, <laughs> don't touch yeah, a hair don't on my brother's head. Yeah, and even then, he could just make the trade, but he, he won't. And he tells uh, another guy, he's like, tell Ram to rip her eyes out. And there's this really cool part of this movie, which I think you've seen a little bit here and there in other movies. But uh, So Me like, sees the cut on Ram's head earlier and comes over to him and puts a Band-Aid on it. And then, you know, it's like really sweet to him. And he's like kind of taken aback by it. And then when the scene where she's about to get her eyes taken out, I think it's sort of obvious that that's the only thing that can save her is Ram. But it is cool that it works out that way. And you don't really know it until the very end. So before we get there, I have to give credit to the shot of when the building explodes and he's standing outside and he's surrounded by all the kids that he saved. Very good shot. Yeah, That was like very well deserved. The other thing too is me not knowing that that wasn't her, those weren't her eyes. And then realizing they weren't her eyes at the end. I I guess we'll just talk about this and then I'll tell you like why it connects to me. So Tay finally gets to like the bad guy lair. And by the way, Koreans have a very odd perspective on villains. They must think that all villains are like these like very wealthy billionaires with like beautiful lairs. I don't because, know this, this one. This one almost looked like kind of like a um, like a sauna type area. You know what I mean? Like a bathhouse is kind of what it felt like. Although there was no water, but just like the way it was set up, kind of looked like there was that water. With the marble. Okay, well, so yeah, and how it like sunk in. I don't think there wasn't a ton though. No, yeah, it wasn't it, like I, that. I, I get what your point. Your point is this looks a lot like the old boy lair. I I mean, it's just like these very elaborate, wealthy looking villain layers. And you you really don't see like, like, I I don't know why Gone in 60 Seconds comes to mind. But like the villain in that movie is fucking like working in a it's in a garage. Right. Um, But I, I don't know. You don't really see elaborate villain layers 
that much. Oh, Lex, so it's, Lex Luthor's house is pretty sweet. From Smallville, like the mansion. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's pretty badass. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, but somehow not even as badass as this. This is like elaborately. Well, this uh, is only one room too. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I know, right? So Koreans just Koreans just got it like that. They understand. They understand it. Um, okay, so basically, he has her eyes, or at least we're believed to, and Tay is believed to that well, her and, eyes and have been taken that out too. We we have the ambulance scene where she's like saying to Ram like, "Oh, you told me I was going to see my mommy again after like the guy whose nickname is Five Hundred because he wants to carve up five hundred people." Which I was like, "This is the least established psychopath and like in any movie I've ever seen. Like we've met him three seconds ago, and you're just yeah. trying to be like he's bad." Um, but he's like, "Oh, I cut out your mommy's heart and held it in this hand." It's like really fucked up. Like, why do you say this to a little girl you're about to like mutilate? It's unnecessary. Um, and it kind of, but it does. Where in that moment, kind of make it more sense that Ram would be like, "All right, I'm just gonna fucking kill this guy because you're annoying me." <laughs> like, yeah, it's like you don't need to be that much of an asshole. Um, but at the same time, the cops have found all the other kids upstairs in the granny's house, and that's how they find out about this game, guy named Five Hundred. And then we get to this final showdown and I love man sooks like, you know, why would you go through so much trouble for this little kid? And he's just like, I'm her neighbor. He's like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't understand. <laughs> what is that? Doesn't mean anything. Um, and he's about to walk the eyes over to him and he's like, you know what? No, nah, I'm not going to get close to you. It just rolls over the eyes. And then this is when the fight starts. And it's such a badass fight. There's like some shooting in the beginning. Like the way he pulls the gun out and takes out a bunch of them first, practical. So it makes the fight feel more realistic. Um, but then after that, he, him and uh, Ram are shooting at each other and then they both run out of bullets. And so um, Tay is like fucking knifing people to death and Ram could shoot him. And then he's just like, fuck it. No, this, I want to watch this. Like he's doing like, he's doing really yeah, good. Ram said, watch. So, it's kind of disappointing with Ram, right? Because it's almost like he takes a turn. It's like a redemption for him at this point. He doesn't kill Somi. He lets. Uh, he doesn't take the cheap shot at at Tay, and then he has this like very gentleman sort of fight at the end. And it's just like, well, if he <laughs> wanted to turn, then he didn't really have to keep fighting him, right? He could have joined him even. Well, it wasn't a turn, but I mean, once again, it's the same as Mansook. It's a pride thing. Like, he thinks he's the baddest of badasses that he could take out this guy. So he's like, I'm going to let him kill all these dudes. It's fun for me to watch. And then you can actually see it in Ram's eyes. So first of all, he shoots the glasses, the glass jar filled with eyes and breaks them just as like a fuck you to this guy who he's like, I'm going to shoot these eyes, make you think that I just destroyed them, and then I'm going to kill you. Um but there's this change in Ram's eyes as they're fighting. He's backing up more and more. And then you can see in Ram's eyes like, oh, fuck. This guy's good. And yeah. then he starts slashing him and then puts the knife into him and starts and just pushes it in. And like like the acting on that is really great because it's really convincing of like, oh, I fucked up. That, yeah, that and, you know, Ram knows that those aren't her eyes. So it's almost like he doesn't care, right? But he knows he would. Um, and that's all of this you don't find out until the very end. But 
thinking back on it, it's like, it's really like a, oh, geez, sort of moment. Um, and uh, yeah, so he chases. Also, what what villain lair has a parking garage below it is another question I have. It must be like a penthouse or something. I mean, it was an old boy, you know, but I don't think they're that high up. I think it's just like a building. Um yeah, he chases him out there. I love when he like he shoots the car's tires out and then he gets on it to shoot him and he's like, it's bulletproof asshole. And he's like so sure that he's gonna be fine. And then he just starts shooting at the same spot in it and then makes a hole in it and he's like one bullet left and just blows him away. Like I don't know. There's not like a Korean maybe there is a Korean Mythbusters that would let me know if this is like a thing that could happen, but still cool. I mean, they're <laughs> Korean Mythbusters. Didn't you m- mention a Korean Mythbusters an old boy too about something? I might have mother too. Who knows? We'll never. We'll find yeah. out. Um. So I don't know if you noticed this, but during the chase, when he's chasing him through the parking garage and gets on top of his car, there's a quick cut to the ambulance. Um, like the of back the of the door ambulance moving. doors moving. You saw that, right? Yeah. So I thought a couple of things. I thought, okay, so they took her eyes. Why let her live? There's no point in letting her live, right? Um, so she's dead. And then we see the ambulance door move, and it's like, oh, she's alive. But I thought, how could this movie end? She's alive, but she has no eyes. Or he donates his eyes to hers. Like, like you know, cornea transplants have been established in this movie. I'm like, is he going to go blind and going to give his, I was thinking of just like all sorts of way this ends. And so then he puts the gun up to his head to like off himself. And, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Honestly, I would too, probably. Um, and then she comes around the corner with eyes. She does. She has, she has eyes. I saw that. Yeah, she did too. And then, uh, he sees that and doesn't kill himself. And I think he's almost like the acting in this is so great because he's like not really believing what he's saying. Right. Um, but then it's really like sweet little moment. And she realizes that she, he did all this to save her. And then yeah. she goes in for a hug and she's like, he's like, don't hug me. You'll get blood on you. And then he, she hugs him anyways. Right. Hugs the shit out of him. I really love the part after this where, like, Tay is in a um, a squad car and the main cop kind of realizes the whole situation. He's like, put the little girl in there with him. And the, like, secondary cop's like, what the, what? And then, you know, he does it and he gives him this kind of last moment for her. And then he's like, can I ask a favor? And this is so unrealistic, but the shopkeeper from earlier who we didn't talk about, but there's just old guy who's like, you know, be nice to your daughter, opens the doors and it's just surrounded by cops and then Tay and so me. And he's like, and you know, what the fuck? It reminded me. I don't know why. It reminded me of that scene in, in Home Alone 2 where Macaulay Culkin goes out of his way to give the homeless lady the dove. And, and it's just like this this like this like thing where it's like you have this side character, but you bring it all back to to them at at the end. And he like grabs all this. I'm talking about I'm not talking about Macaulay Culkin anymore. I'm talking about the movie. He he, he goes into the uh 
owner's shop and he grabs all this like school supplies and stuff and like gives it to her. And basically he's like, you're on your own now. And I was like, why? Why can't the old man adopt her? Or like, you're probably won't be like your, your record is expunged. Like you, you probably will get out, um, you know, pretty quickly. You could adopt her, but no, she's on her own now. And then here's the only part of the movie that I was like, eh, with is like, he, he gets on her level and he's like, can I have a hug? And the music crescendos and her arms open in like slow motion. And they do this long embrace and the whole thing, the music is loud and corny as shit. And then it just freeze frame ends on his face and the movie ends like that. And I'm just like, eh, okay. But yeah, it's not, not the best to, to a lot of what you were saying. It seems like that is how a lot of Korean movies are with those kind of big overdramatic uh, endings to kind of like really hit you over the head with the, the point. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, whenever my wife is watching something uh, like a Korean drama or whatever, they always end with this like really loud kind of pop, but kind of like, it just like when this happened, it reminded me of that. Right. Like the movie a little bit kind of going into like the, the cliche of how like a, a Korean drama ends a little bit. It felt a little out of place. It doesn't really affect the movie overall. Cause it is just the ending. And it's like, you already hugged her earlier. I don't know, like, why you need another one. You know what I mean? I guess maybe because he's initiating this one. But, um, yeah, it's, like, not my favorite part of the movie. Um, You know what it reminds me of? <laughs> it reminds me of when Michael Bay ended Transformers with Linkin Park's What I've Done. Well, that's awesome, though. So I don't know. <laughs> like, that's the one that's a banger. And two, just like, I mean, Transformers is like a movie about fighting inner space robots. So like, it just works. You've, you've seen those memes, right? Where they put that, the, what I've done at the end of like every movie that could work with that, that this is a movie that could work with that. What I've... Yeah, no, it absolutely could. So um, we are next doing the movie Mother. And mm-hmm. the reason I bring that up is because not the titular character but the son of the titular character is played by Juan Bin, who plays Tai Sik Cha from this movie. So he did Mother in 2009 and then The Man from Nowhere in 2010. Although like release dates, I don't know when it was released in Korea versus here. He has not done a single role since those two movies. Um, who is this? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at the casting. He's the main fucking character. Oh, good to know. Yeah, it's just kind of odd because he's great in this. He's really good in Mother, which you're going to watch next. Um, And I was reading up a little bit. It's kind of hard to find information about like actors from other countries. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like you almost have to like VPN into their country to like get. But I did. Basically, it's just kind of turned out he's been he got married and then has been super picky. But it's just so crazy that he hasn't he's really greatness and he hasn't been in something in 12 years um so another thing uh in anticipation of watching mother is understand that 
when I went to look up where I could watch this um, Korean movie called Mother, there are a lot of movies called Mother. Not just the... the um, Bong Joon-ho Mother? Uh, the Darren Aronofsky Mother. Yeah, that one. Wait, the Bong Joon-ho Mother is not the one I'm supposed to be watching? It is. Oh, yeah. But no, I mean, even more so, even more than just the David Aronofsky mother with the exclamation point, right? That's his, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, with uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of other movies named Mother. A lot of other foreign movies named Mother. So yeah, we're, we're going to do the Bong Joon-ho mother. It's, it's, a big, it's a big topic. We all have one, so, you know, it makes sense, but... I am. Uh, I'm glad I watched this again, and um, two years from now, I'm going to forget the plot again and be able to watch it again. So it's kind of it works out that way. Yeah, I mean, what what do you think as as the final thing? Do you think it's more John Wick, Man on Fire, or Taken? It's definitely not Taken. Or the main of aspect the of this, the main aspect of this movie, is the guy that's given up on life, which to me is Man on Fire. Um, John Wick. You know, it's 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 in between Man on Fire and John Wick. Maybe if okay. he had had a couple more scenes with the little girl and had not given up on life as so much, if like she had brought him back to life in the way that the puppy had bought brought John Wick back, right? Then maybe, maybe, yeah, it's yeah. definitely one of those two. So, well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David, and this is Alon, and I finally watched The Man from Nowhere.